something that I like developed for, for my own life is save draft. And what I mean by that is like, you could either live a reactive life and which I think creates tremendous amount of suffering and like a real lack of alignment, or you can really like, don't send that text. Don't press send on that email, but also more existentially, like sit with it for something for a second, sit with it for days, sit with it for a year if you need to. And I, I think that like that's save draft is like my way of just saying like you, you can't allow and give the power to everything else to dictate like what you are going to create, what you're going to say, how you're going to respond to something, how you want to be every day. Hello, Ara. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. For everyone listening, we are here with Ara Katz. She is a lot of things, as I've been reading about, a storyteller, a entrepreneur. Um, I think most people, though, would know her as the co-founder of Seed, which is a probiotic uh, microbiome science company, I guess. Maybe that was my short-winded way of saying what you do, but give us a little recap in your own words. What do you do? What do you introduce yourself as? Uh, what, I, what, what I introduce myself as usually is I say I'm in the business of bacteria um, or <laughs> my second favorite is I just say I work in the invisible world, which um, is I work in microbes, which is what you said. So I am the co-founder of Seed Health, which is a microbiome science company that looks at and pioneers all kinds of applications of microbes for human and environmental health. So that means probiotics for humans um, and even uh, honeybees. So fascinating. I was I've heard of your company before, but I did a little bit more research before this and was just fascinated by all that you guys do. And I've kind of seen seed a lot of places, mostly to be honest with like influencers taking seed. I'm like, oh, that seems cool. Like I know people have had amazing results, but looking deeper into it, I mean, really incredible world altering things that you guys are doing. Yeah. Th thank you for saying that. We, we kind of found a lot of people, a lot of our uh, people in our e ecosystem who kind of know. Um, a little bit of what maybe you scratched the surface of in doing your research, uh, call us an iceberg. <laughs> um, yeah. and so I think, I think that's a, a great analogy. I think we're, um, a lot of the work that that's coming in the, in the coming years, particularly that will come out in the world and, um, you know, hopefully impact the health of, of many, many, many people. Um, we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and then in some areas we have, which like our work you know, beyond just the gut microbiome, which you're right, is what we're very much known for. We're known for our consumer brand seed, which I think has just been um, very much tied with our initial product innovation, which was called DSO-1. Um, but a lot of people do know about some of our early early knowledge of our, um, for example, vaginal microbiome work and our, our, our plans in vaginal health um, and urogenital health, which is really exciting. People know about our environmental work, like our probiotic for honeybees, some of our work for coral reef um, probiotics. Um, and then, and then we've also announced things like our gut brain access research, um, and, and, and a little bit about our skin, skin work, but a lot of those things are kind of coming in the, in the next years, which we're really excited about. That is amazing. I think everyone is excited to see what you guys will do next. Um, in also doing some research, it was fascinating because you have not always been in the space of microbiome. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what got you to where you are now. Yeah, I um, probably the the first thing that you said about me, which um, I think you said even before entrepreneur, you said storyteller, is that I have a very long history of translating really challenging technologies and things kind of that were always at the the edge. So um, I started off I uh, started off in tech, um, I I and, and media. So have a long history of like in more traditional media, like producing film as well as like a lot of early, like early internet, like beginnings of like content and how different formats um, and different mediums and, uh, and, and technologies could actually be awesome t- tools for storytelling um, and for communicating like big ideas. And, and that came out of like some work at the Media Lab where I really helped think about how could you take all this amazing, crazy science and technology that's coming out of places like the Media Lab at MIT and think about like the way that those narratives and that technology go out into the world um, and what is the story and, and, and the message that needs to be believed in order for those things to be most impactful. Um, and so I was kind of doing that alongside of my like producing like Hollywood life for a long time um, and and come out of, you know, I was like coding, coding websites in high school and like, you know, I kind of always had this, um, the tech bug. I was always excited about like the frontier and science for me has been a lifelong journey um, my mom died when I was uh, 16. I've been reading scientific papers since then. I've been obsessed with health and understanding new science of health, um, how people make decisions about their health and um, between like this kind of schism between like what we know and like what we do um, around our health has always been an area of fascination. And so, you know, I, um, my last company in tech was in like mobile commerce. And again, like kind of at the forefront, I was always excited about like the beginnings of things and mobile at that time, you know, was, I, I remember I was one of the first 15 companies to start to launch Apple Pay. And obviously it sounds like nothing today, but there was a time where you couldn't just press a button on your phone and buy something. Um, and so I think microbiome to me felt like what, what they call in Silicon Valley is like a zero to one, um, which is like, there's a few things that come around, I think, in a lifetime where there's an area of science, a new technology, that truly actually fundamentally changes the framework, the paradigm, the way you think. It's kind of like a, a see the matrix moment. Um, and I think that you can look back in history to look at some of these pivotal technologies and, and certainly moments in science that really then reframed everything that was to come after. And the microbiome for me was very personal because I'd had a miscarriage. I made a really difficult decision to, to leave my previous company, leave tech and go back to something, go to health, which I knew I'd always wanted to be in and really make it, figure out how I can make an impact. Um, and I had, I got pregnant very shortly after my miscarriage and that whole journey of like become, of growing a human and then having a human really trapped right alongside my leg really depth it going deep into microbiome um and really thinking about like and of course i met my co-founder at that time raja who oversees all of our r&d and is an extraordinary thinker in in the space had also been tracking me a bit more from the academic and scientific side and i realized more from just the pure human and consumer side that the microbiome really was going to be this like this 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 landscape and, and like mindset change in the way that we think about ourselves existentially as parents, people raising humans, how we were going to think about like every piece of food we eat, whether or not we take this medicine, how we live, like what cleaning products we use, like how we travel. Like it was just like, what, what are the 
the, the things we expose ourselves to, what do we expose children to? Like, there was just this, like, for me, like this super aha moment. And I was like, you know what? I could spend the next decades of my life immersed in this world that I, I really felt was accelerating at like a crazy velocity from a scientific perspective. But the way it was getting translated and, um, and, and commercialized in like the consumer world and wellness was like such a schism for me between like what the science and the opportunity was. And I think that's where when you look at the science, probiotics and prebiotics, postbiotics, and certainly other um, compounds that interact with the microbiome, there was such a beautiful opportunity to create a bridge very similar to like what I had done at MIT or in the media lab of like, how do you actually not just use the create and, and, and work with breakthrough science, but how do you actually translate that um, and, and make a massive impact in health in a way that is yes, make the best products, make them effective, make it a beautiful biological impact. But how could you also create a brand around that and a framework that could do what I, I experienced, which was create that framework shift? Um, and give people really a new language around health. And that, that to me is like this extraordinary opportunity. Um, and it was definitely the culmination. While I had not worked specifically in science, I've been in around it my, a, a lot of my life, particularly around like frontier technology. And, um, it, it really felt like it aligned and kind of snapped to the grid for me of everything, like existentially meaning impact, um, intellectually, what like I want to spend my life like learning about. Um, and also it's just really like, probably while we've been talking, you know, 10 more papers have probably come out just while we're talking and something new is already known today. So it's a field that also is advancing really quickly, which is exciting. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful journey and what an exciting journey and to be here now and to be at the forefront of a lot of incredible research um, is probably very exciting. I know you talked about some hardships that you've had along the road which everyone has and on the show we like to ask people what the best advice is they've ever gotten and so that's my question for you along this crazy journey you've had of switching jobs and children and loss um what's the best advice you've ever gotten it, i would say um before my mom died and and i should give you some context around this because it, it, it makes the words kind of like maybe have a bit more gravity. Me, I had a very typical, or I should say typical, but maybe to the greatest extreme, like challenging relationship, like teenage daughter, mom relationship. It was like, can't even like paint it any, like it was horrible. And then she passed away. Right. And so of course there's loss. And then you have to look at the context of loss sometimes. Right. Which has its own other kind of compelling trauma one of the things i think when people pass really too soon is you always say like you know did they know me like what did they think about me you know and so the so the, the best advice i ever got was actually pin there's a little wooden pin that my mom gave me right before she died she had gone on her last like a trip with her boyfriend to this um this little inn in in the berkshires uh, for she was very, very, very sick. So she couldn't do much more than that. We lived in New York. And, um, and she brought me back this little wooden pin and it said she didn't always follow the recipe. And I still have it and it is on my wall in my bedroom and I, I reference it all the time. And I think that that was probably, um, it wasn't spoken advice, 
but it has lived with me my whole life and it has a lot of meaning and has continued to reveal its meaning to me over and over and over again. And I think that it is, and it is advice and, and anyone I've mentored, friends who are going through things, it, I've definitely always continued to go back to it because there, there really is no one way to do something. Um, and I, I think that people have a lot of suffering trying to follow a path or trying to follow what they should be doing. Um, and so the idea that there, um, she didn't always follow the recipe was like a beautiful reflection, I think, of what she really wanted me to know. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Are there specific instances in your life where you have referenced that or maybe now just looking back, you've realized that you've lived by those words of just not following that journey that everyone wanted you to have or maybe that you even had in your mind, being okay with switching it up? I, I would genuinely say that it is um, incepted like a, a way of living and a way of operating that li really lives with me every day in every moment. Um, it, if you think about it, when I, when I kind of put it in more academic terms, it is really like a way of saying it's like a first principle of living. If, if you know first principles, it's like the really deep, deep, deep questioning of things that other people believe are to be true and then therefore live by um, or make decisions by. And for me, the undoing of that is so freeing and it became a mindset that I use every day as like an entrepreneur. Um, when someone tells you you can't, I mean, the worst thing you can say to an entrepreneur is you can't do that. That's usually how, how the best companies are built. Um, so I would say every single day as an entrepreneur, the idea that there's only, and, and look, I mean, I, I built a company, a life science company and biotech company that created incredible commercial business and, and beautiful consumer brand. But, um, certainly those two worlds don't typically live together. Um, and so I think what it, it does is it frees, freed me and continues to from believing that, like, I always say, like, disparate dots that weren't connected before can be connected. Um, and so I think that it really allows you to really undo and rewire and, like, force yourself to constantly not accept, um, something is true. And I think, look, I work in science. So of course, that is the discipline of science, which is this, like, discipline of inquiry. Um, but I even think even in science, like not enough people really adhere to that idea that um, you, you don't always have to follow the recipe. There are really other ways to be other other ways to turn something around and look at it from a different perspective. And I think it serves me every day in entrepreneurship. It certainly serves me as a parent because God knows people have plenty of parenting advice and tell you how you should be doing something. It serves me every day as a human um, in, in terms of just uh, Harvey Karp, uh, who, you know, he's, he wrote The Happiest Baby and he's, he, he once told me, um, don't should on yourself. Um, which I think like, especially as women, like, I, I think there's a lot of shoulding, like what you should be doing and particularly for parents, which is who he was meaning it for. Um, so I think it really does like reminding yourself that there's no one way. It actually sounds so simple, but, but really is applicable to truly everything. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love that. Don't should on yourself. Um, has there been a lot of times, especially because you are an entrepreneur and you have a wonderful career, but you also, you have two children, right? I do now. <laughs> okay. It's crazy to say I'm like a seven year old and a 14 month old. So there was quite a, 
I'm getting oh used to gosh. saying I have two children. It's been it was oh. seven years, and a half years with only one. So that is incredible. So from the parenthood side of it, which a lot of people listening probably are, mm-hmm. is there a best piece of advice you've gotten for being a mother, for being a parent? I mean, the don't shit on yourself one was like a, a pretty, a pretty good I, one. I would say that was, that was a pretty great one. Um, I think the, I wouldn't say it's advice that I got, but I would say something that has really, really deeply stuck with me, um, which I think sometimes people think about parenting advice only in the context of what you should be doing with your children. But I think some of the best parenting advice actually is what you should be doing for yourself. And the thing that sticks with me, I would say the say, the, you know, the when it's again, it's not advice because I, I read it and it was from Carl Jung, but it go, it, it is, and I, hopefully I will be able to paraphrase it well, is the greatest burden on a child is the unlived life of the parent. And I think that that is something that I, I think very, very, very deeply about. Um, as somebody who loves to create, um, as somebody who didn't really grow up saying, I always want to be a mom. I, I, and so how I hold like that space for myself and how I make sure that like I am not living with like a resentment or a feeling that like because I have children, I am not realizing certain things in my own life for someone who is wired like me to always kind of go and create and, and make. Um, you know, I, I, that, that is something that really deep, deeply resonates because I think there's a lot of guilt, um, that happens in parenting and shame when you do go realize the things that are very meaningful to you. Sometimes at the sacrifice of time, a lot of time with your children or, and there, and of course, like everything in some aspect of balance, but like, that was a very, that was a very aha moment for me of like the space that I needed to create so that I could feel not just like a great parent, but also understanding that that really, that, that need to fulfill that for myself is what would be path towards feeling like a great parent. Absolutely. That reminds me of a quote that I love. It's L.R. Nost who said, self-care doesn't mean me first. It means me too. And I think that's very accurate. And that resonated with what you were saying. Um, I, the, speaking of quotes, so we welcome all quotes on this podcast because I'm a quote gal. And so do you have any other favorite general quotes or do you have like mantras you tell yourself every morning? I feel like successful people always have those things that they say every day. You know, it, it's actually, it's funny. My, one of the, my favorites, um, or it wasn't said by someone else, but something that I like developed for, for my own life, which has a few, me- both literal and also very metaphorical meanings is save draft. And what I mean by that is, and I think if we all look back on like a lot, which is another way of saying like, take a, like you could either live a reactive life, um, and which I think creates a tremendous amount of suffering and like a real lack of alignment. Or you can really like, don't send that text. Don't press send on that email, but also more existentially, like sit with it for something for a second, sit with it for days, sit with it for a year if you need to. But I think that like we really do, and particularly in our technological world, like we live in a state of reacting. 
And I really believe that the best things are music, technology, the lives we want to make, the children we want to raise are not going to come from a framework of reactivity. And, and where our brain, and, and it is true, it is actually changing our brain chemistry um, and structure. And I am terrified of the world where my children grow up and only live, like, experience, like, adults, like, basically reacting to things. And I, I think that, like, that's a safe draft is, like, my way of just saying, like, you you can't allow and give the power to everything else to dictate like what you are going to create, what you're going to say, how you're going to respond to something, how you want to be every day. Um, and I and I truly don't think that you can even get to like flow state and like really the immersion and depth of like understanding something, creating something, being with with your children if you come from that place. And so that was really where that was really where it came. I love that. When you first said that, I was like, okay, now <laughs> I'm, that's, <laughs> that's beautiful. And I could not agree more. I, I have lots of thoughts on social media, funny enough, even like being, well, people would say influencer, yes. but it's, great, our, um, our great, our great hypocrisy. <laughs> yes. Truly, it is changing the framework of how we think and how my generation operates and how we interact with each other in the world around us. And I think it's a little bit scary sometimes with all the positives. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cons as well. Well, we don't, we don't, my dad wrote a really um, interesting paper on this, which I'm happy to send you. Um, yeah, but, I love that. And, and, and of course there's beautiful things about technology and connectivity. I worked in, I worked yeah. in technology for a long time. <laughs> The externalization of self and the lack of like definition of where we start and where we end is something that is terrifying to me um, because I really feel that I don't know if we really know what a feeling is unless it's shared. And I think Absolutely. that is really in the construction of self, like that is something that is deeply, deeply concerning to me. Um, so such that you're, you're constructing self in, in the context of basically like a mirror that the world can see, um, and going through everything. And so we don't, the, the beautiful internal experience that has led to the history of like some of the best art, some of the best literature, some of the best, most meaningful things that came from like that, that inner experience is suddenly entirely externalized. Um, through very specific mediums of like words and either static images or moving pictures, which is very, if you imagine yeah. like the breadth of the human experience, very limiting. Yeah. And I, um, and, and I, and it was very fast. It's fascinating. Like the, the, um, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but the woman who wrote the sports journalist who wrote the book about the high school. Um, soccer player who committed suicide many years ago, I believe it was in New Jersey, talked about a study about how the use of emojis and texting with your children missed the diagnosis of depression. When, oh, sorry, there was, she was in college because they were texting while she was in college and she killed herself while at school. And it was really interesting because the reductive quality of using emojis to reflect your inner state 
led to a misdiagnosis and a lack of diagnosis of like major depression and suicidal tendencies in this like big study that they had done. And it, and that was what was happening with this mom and her daughter because they were communicating. But of course, emojis, you wouldn't know that someone's on the verge of suicide. Um, yeah. And so it really shows like the this like, this lack of like being able to capture the nuance of like the human experience, yet we are deferring our full ideas about what it is to these to ad platforms <laughs> really yeah no absolutely and it kind of goes back i think to what you were saying with your favorite quote and about saving the draft and allowing yourself to sit with things and i don't think social media a lot of times allows us to sit with things because we can always be stimulated we can always have an outlet for our emotions a lot of times negatively because we can comment and we can we can bully and we can do whatever we want on these platforms. So when we have these terrible emotions, we don't have to really internalize them. And when we have the good ones, instead of pushing them out into something beautiful like people have through art, through writing, um, we make a TikTok video, which can be beautiful in itself, but just limiting, like you said, very limiting. So I think that's um, very poignant and true. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but the last question I have goes back to your expertise with seed. And the question is, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to figure out through all of this marketing jargon, what products are really helpful for them and which ones are just marketing? Oh man, that's not a, that's not that's a, a hard question there. I would first say that it really depends on who this hypothetical person is and what their health journey is and the, and why they are actually taking something. Um, I think that if you're really struggling and you have a pretty serious diagnosis, I would not, I, I think that my, my, I always talk about like living scientifically. I would be served first before I start taking things and adding things be doing a tremendous amount to deeply, deeply understand what I actually have. What And also, what am I trying to achieve? Am I trying to ameliorate a symptom? Am I trying to improve like specific biomarker in my blood? Am I, am I trying to uh, fortify like my gut barrier? Um, like I, I, you need to like, it's, it, I think some, sometimes people just put things into their bodies, like hoping in the void, it will like do something. Yeah. There's so much nuance to why someone should take something, whether or not they should be getting it through nutrition, diet, food, other lifestyle factors. Supplementation itself is like you may know that you have a magnesium deficiency, but there's multiple different types of magnesium. And the dosage of magnesium is incredibly important for it to have any efficacy. And so if you really are just like, hey, I'm a first page of Google kind of person. I just click on the first thing and that's, <laughs> I think just look at the other parts of your life where you're a Google 25 page, page 25 person. Maybe it's like in buy, when you buy a car, maybe it's when you're looking for a perfect pair of jeans and just say to yourself, like, how, why am I spending this much time looking for this perfect pair of like high-waisted denim? So and I literally, when it comes to the one thing that I have that has to last far longer than that pair of jeans or your car, I am literally just willing and promiscuously able to put anything into my body or believe the first thing that someone tells me. And I, I think that 
I really, I really think that putting something in your body is something to be taken seriously. Um, and I think that, as I said, if I, if I, if I knew this person that you were a hypothetical person that had a condition versus just someone who's like, I just generally want to be like he- healthier, I would have a little bit of different, of course, the answer's so nuanced, but mm-hmm. I think that once you do get to the point where you know you would like to take something or you're curious, I think people are really, are smarter than they give themselves credit for. I think you have to say like, okay, and the influencer said this, great. They're probably part of a partner affiliate program. We work with many people who are part of those programs. Like, absolutely. Like, that is one point of information. Go to the website. Read. I mean, also, one of the things that you can, like, start to recognize is, like, could a product, could one product do all the things you're saying? Like, this feels a little too good to be true. Are there clinical? Is there any information about, like, the dosage? Um, are, are they, is, is there, who are the people in this? Are there real, real scientists, not just like people who are social media or digital influencers putting their face on the website to say, I'm an advisor. Like, who are the scientists that are putting their name associated with this company? Some of those things, I wouldn't even say those are, even if it checked that box, that still may mean you shouldn't take it. Um, but I do think that there are certain cues that you can use to deeply understand um, whether or not someone's full of shit. <laughs> and I think you can get your, your, your spidey senses up. Um, and I think you can hone those, but I think you really need to start with what I said at the beginning, which is why am I taking this? What am I actually, what am I looking for? What is the thing that I'm trying to improve in my health or fix in my health? And then really you have to, then again, this is the first principles, which is like, is this Okay, so here's one route. Supplementation is one route. Let's look at all the other lifestyle factors that could be meaningful. Sleep, diet, hydration, exercise. I mean, honestly, more than anything, exercise. Probably more than many things, exercise. And so I really, you know, and and then and then it's really a, a personal negotiation. Like, oh, well, my work doesn't really allow me to like exercise the way I would want to. And so I feel like I really do need to supplement in these areas because I'm more limited in what I can do in this area right now. And I think that, there's no perfect framework for sure, but I think there are really interesting people to follow and listen to that are not, um, that are, are driven by science, um, who are also clinicians, people like Peter Atia, for example. Um, I think there are people who have given, like, who have re- nice frameworks for how you could think about some of these things. Um, but for the most part, and, and as I say that as somebody who serves a lot of Instagram ads, like, if, if it was that easy, we wouldn't be suffering the way that we are with like the rise of the diseases and the chronic conditions that we have today. And so there is no, there really is no like silver bullet, but I do think there's a way for you to get much smarter and to really prioritize your research time. I'm not saying that high-waisted denim is not important, (laughs) but I am saying that like- Good, glad we can clarify that. Read about something first, like understand like what even is magnesium? Not just like, I should take it. Like, I heard I should take it. Understand it. Read, read. Like, I know it sounds like a, a, a real cop-out answer, but I really believe, and we, we say this at Seed all the time, that um, knowledge is agency. When you deeply understand the why of something, you really become so much, you become a really smart and optimistic skeptic. Yeah. And when you become an optimistic skeptic, you can make really good decisions. 
And the only other thing I would add to this, which I talk about as part of like living scientifically, is that you need to look at any of these things as experiments, as experiments, right? You have to like do them for a specific amount of time, learn, observe, look at the data. It could just be how you feel, whether or not your stools are better. It could be a blood, blood test is in, improving. But I think what happens is that people just like do everything all at once. They don't know necessarily what may have helped or didn't help them. They don't stay compliant with it for a period of time during which you could actually know if something could be really meaningfully, meaningfully impactful in your health. And then they just say, oh, that didn't work for me. Or, oh my God, this is like the holy grail. But they forget that they also started to eat like 90% more plants than they used to. But then they're going to tell you that this pill is like the magic, magic bullet. And so I think there's like a little bit of like a scientific framework going back to like your like second grade, like learn the scientific method. And like, just yeah. really think about it as like, it, it, it is really a, ser- a bit of experimentation um, to figure out what works best for you. But to get to the point where you click and you set, you check out, I think we can all, we, I think we could all get a little smarter. And I, I, I think that that comes from like some of the, the commitment to learning about your body and about um, some of the, the, the nuance to some of the messages that you're receiving in this marketing. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Going back to your initial advice, don't follow the recipe just because everyone's doing it. Everyone's promoting it. That doesn't mean that it's founded on scientific principles. It doesn't mean that it's effective. And it's up to us to be informed consumers. And what is a more important consumption than what we put in our bodies? So I'm grateful to companies like yours, though. I think um, many people are who make it easy to be informed and who make it easy to feel like they can trust a product and trust that it's going to deliver on what it says it will. So thank you for thank, thank you for, for your wisdom. Thank you for joining us today. And I feel like we covered a whole slew of things. This was just edifying in more ways than one. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're so welcome. Thank you for asking beautiful questions. Oh, well, I last thing is where can we follow you? Where can we follow your work, your company? companies sure. who knows anything um, tell us sure you can follow um our consumer brand you can follow at seed on instagram at seed um you can follow you can go to seed.com as well to learn about our products and more about science and everything you were just talking about and you can follow me at Cats on instagram awesome well era thank you so much for joining us and We hope that everyone learned a lot today and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to The Shift.